Welcome to Mother Up. I'm Gianna DiMedio-Simon. And I'm Casey McDonald-Hosmer, and we are moms who absolutely love our new roles in life. But man, were we not prepared for some of the fine print in the job description. This motherhood thing is hard, especially balancing being a mom while still trying to be you. We find it crazy that after only a six-week consult with your doc, you're basically hung out to dry and have to figure out this tiny human and this new version of you practically alone. There are so many demands for taking care of a baby, but taking care of yourself is essential and sometimes falls by the wayside. We want a connection with our children and our partner that doesn't come at the cost of the relationships with our own selves. So you may be feeling down, but we're here to help you mother up because no one's tougher than a mother. We're using our firsthand experiences and our connections to experts across the country to bring you ways to feel confident, beautiful, and still vulnerable. And listen, we're new to the game, so we'll be learning right along with you. So pour that coffee. Or mimosa. We won't tell. It's time to to mother mother up. Hey, it's Gianna, one half of the Mother Up team here. I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because there's so much good information to get into today. Casey and I sat down with my good friend, Ashley Gordon. It took three years with a lot of ups and downs, twists and turns, and maybe some ayahuasca in between to get to her beautiful baby boy, Maverick. She went through loss month after month, seeing the negative sign on the pregnancy test really gets down and dirty and talking about some of the not so great side effects she had with fertility drugs and telling us more about what she learned on this journey to becoming a parent. She didn't always have it the easiest with her own parents. She didn't meet her dad until she was 15 years old. A really heartwarming story about that. And the question that she had for him the first time they met, will actually leave you in stitches. (laughs) This episode, we broke into two because there was so much about the IVF journey that she had and just becoming a mother. But then also she had a lot of helpful business tips. She herself is a quantum coach. So she coaches, coaches become the best version of themselves to help their clients. That's a mouthful, but it's really important stuff that she does. She's very successful at it. And she has a lot of good manifestation information, different ways that you can apply it to your own life. And Casey and I just found a lot of it so helpful. So we're breaking it up into two episodes. Our interview with Ashley Gordon is coming right up. But first, I want to remind you of one of our sponsors, Johanna. I am absolutely obsessed with this. So it's like a concierge service geared towards moms living right in your cell phone. There's a quick app that you can go to. And... I list off all these things I need them to get done to basically just like brain dump and get some help with me running a household. And you know how it is having a family. We talk about it all the time on the show. It's like running a business. So there are things that I can put onto somebody else through this app to get my time back with my family and with my kids. So right now I'm having them help me plan Sienna's third birthday party. They're scouting out venues for me. They're looking into party favors. They're helping ordering a cake. And then I'm also having them find somebody in the area that can come to our garage and lug away some of the junk that we have from our move. And what else am I having them do? Oh yeah, I just had them do a meal plan for me. I'm doing this new health and wellness type of thing. If you listen to last week's episode, I talk a little bit about it. I'll probably be giving more updates soon, but I wanted a really good plan. I wanted a bunch of recipes together. I wanted the directions for how to make it all on the same page. And I wanted a grocery list based on whatever meals I was making that week. And 
bam, within 24 hours, they had it for me. I was so impressed. And I mean, honestly, that would have taken me at least eight days to even put together. <laughs> so it was so great to have it done. Johanna, there's a link for it in our show notes. And if you do Yo Mother Up, I believe there is a special for $49 right now. I mean, how could you pass that up? So go check that out. $49 a month with the code Yo Mother Up or click the link in our show notes. I want a little background on you as a person too, because that obviously goes into so much of who you are in your business and what the next part of your story is with IBF. Tell me a little bit about the story with your dad. So I didn't meet my dad until I was 15 and um, I knew that he existed. Um, and yet I, I had a stepdad that came into my life when I was two. So I had that father figure in my life. And my mom said, one day I just started calling him dad. Um, my mom told me tells me the story that when I was little and I didn't have any father figure in my life, I would sit on the front stoop when I was like two years old and she'd be like, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm waiting. She's like, who are you waiting for? And I was like, my dad. And she like oh, lost got it. full body chills. Yeah. And so I feel like I manifested this man named Albert who came into our life. It sounds like right of, then, right? Right then. And rescued us essentially because my, you know, my mom was a single mom. She was working in a casino. She, you know, we just were getting by always. And we, she fell in love with him. We moved in and I just started calling him dad and he loved it. And I'm like, you're my dad. You're the father figure in my world. Yeah. And so um, over time, I started to understand that like he wasn't my biological dad and I was pretty aware as, as a kid of like what was going on. And my mom said, one day you'll meet your real dad. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, that day was like, after my mom got into a really bad car accident, she was like, I really want you to meet your real dad. Like, it's really important to me. She's like in the intensive care unit. I'm like, okay, anything. Like, of course. So thank God she was okay. And then after that, we had dinner. And I remember meeting him for the first time and sitting there not saying a word. Like I was 15. I didn't say one word. Honestly, I I genuinely wanted to know like if his mom had boobs because I was so flat. I just (laughs) wanted to know like, am I ever going to get boobs? Like – Oh my god! I swear to God, they're like you're like. Do you have any? Do you have any pictures of like any of your female (laughs) immediate female relatives? (laughs) This is what I'm thinking about when I'm 15. My mom's like, "Do you have any questions for your father?" I'm like, "Am I gonna get booze?" (laughs) He's like, "Are you asking me for me to purchase them, or are you asking for genetics?" Nice to meet you, but like, what cup size (laughs) is grandma? (laughs) Did you feel though, like? almost um like a loyalty to your stepdad like that you were like cheating on him and like do you know like was there any of that there was big time yeah big time and like as it so I'll share that too but like that day that day when I met him I, I didn't talk at all him and my mom talked the whole time we went outside and he was like hold on I have something for you and he went to his car and he got 15 roses and he said this is for every year of your life that I miss and I'm never going to miss another one. Oh. <laughs> I know. You're like I don't even care about the boobs. <laughs> and it wasn't like the shows, you know like on like TV when you reunite with your parents and like you're like oh my god, like it wasn't I was just like I don't know who you are, you're a stranger. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't have I didn't have any feelings towards him. I didn't hate him. I didn't love him. I had, I was neutral. It was just nothing. So when he gave me those roses, like looking back, I, I feel emotional thinking about that and it's beautiful. And at the same time in that moment, I was just like, whatever. 
I did what my mom told me to do. Mm-hmm. She wanted, you know. But he was persistent and consistent and he kept trying to get into my life and he kept trying to make an effort. And that's so, a hard time. Like 15, oh, like yeah. you yeah. know everything. I mean, most and parents are trying to give you. away their teenagers, let alone take on <laughs> a like new a free, one. <laughs> a free sign exactly. on their back. <laughs> 100%. Have you called Lifetime at all? Like have you pitched this? It's funny because my my sister, who I didn't know I had a sister, but my sister, there's so much to it. I mean, I walked into like, so when I was 16, I went to their house for the first time for like the the Christmas Hanukkah party. And she's younger, your sister? She's older. My sister's older. Older. Okay. okay. Yeah. She just turned 58 yesterday. So she's a lot older. I'm 35. And I walked into this party at, you know, 16 years old and I'm literally I was an only child I'm walking into a whole new instant family family. yeah instant family I had like 10 nieces and nephews I had other siblings I had I had so it's almost like being adopted I would assume like it's almost like yeah it was so wild because my whole life I was always wanted nieces and nephews I never wanted siblings like my mom was like do you want a sibling I'm like no like I liked being the only child you're like I want part-time yeah (laughs) yeah exactly but I just wanted I wanted nieces and nephews and then I I manifested that too like that's how I look back and I see like whoa so yes it was really hard for my stepdad he had a really hard time with it when Saul my dad would come and like make an effort to be with me and that time I had my permit so all I wanted to do was drive and he could give that to me. So he was, he taught me how to parallel park. He drove me around. But when I would go see him, I would literally walk to the corner of the busy street, like where the busy street was and get picked up there. Cause I didn't want him to know that I was like going to see him. Cause I, I know it was so hard for him. But that just yeah. shows how compassionate you were at, at a yeah. younger age. Wow. I mean, you I were help you were helping that. people at that age. I mean, truly. Yeah. Wow. Thank mm. you. Yeah. Who's the coach now? <laughs> you are, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's a really powerful reflection that you just provided. So thank Listen, you. When there's a shop that opens up across the street, you watch your back. We're gonna <laughs> Casey's <laughs> coaching. Casey's coaching. No way. Over the years we we did develop a relationship and we did get very close. And, you know, in the beginning I was like, I don't love this man, but I've grown to love him so much. And I'm so grateful that he was in my life for longer than he wasn't, ultimately, right? Like longer than the 15 years. And um unfortunately in 2020 he had passed away of COVID. So yeah. It's like he was a uh family friend to my husband's family which is then how Ashley and I know each other and he was mm-hmm. just awesome. He was a great yeah. great guy. Did you feel any resentment to him for not being around in those beginning years especially after becoming a mom and a parent? No. Yeah. No, cuz he was navigating his own yeah. stuff. He had a lot going on and I don't I don't want to share about it right now, but I, he had, he, I understand, I have understanding and compassion for him as well. And I forgive him for and that, and, But that may have Such changed a- your trajectory. I mean, that may have. Yeah. And I think my mom has a lot to do with it because I think that there could be a lot of bitterness there between parents that, you know, they were never together. They, they had me one night. I was, I was a one and done deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom never even thought she could have kids. She has Crohn's Aww. disease. She has a lot of issues. She didn't know she was pregnant for five months. There's so much more to the story. <gasps> oh, my but God. I know we have a lot to cover. But yeah. how strong of her 
to go through with the pre- – you know what I – like, I mean, yeah. I'm sure when she found out, she was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Very scary. She said she was walking on the boardwalk and she was like walking with a friend. She, she She's like, if I would have known any better, I just felt life inside of me. <gasps> wow. Ooh. And she's – yeah, she's like, I don't know. That hot dog was – yeah. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't the hot dog. It wasn't the hot oh dog. Oh, my God. <gasps> wow. Yeah. And she always instilled in me, like, you can never have enough love in your life. And so – like that's why I met him. I'm gonna cry. That's why I, I I went forward with meeting him, and because we were open to it, and she taught me that it was okay instead of being like bitter, wanting to be the only parent. This whole family that has brought so much love into my life that has like been like such a huge part of my life. I would have to think that I wouldn't right. have known them or like been part of their yeah. life is just like right. it's crazy to me. I want to go back to something yeah. so powerful you just said. You said I forgive him. And I don't want you to take that lightly or anybody that is listening to take the power of forgiving lightly. Mm -hmm. That is not a gift that you just give to the person that you're forgiving. That is a gift you give yourself to let yourself feel free of the, that resent, that anger, that hurt, that sadness. There is a lot of work involved in forgiving somebody, but once you get there, the amount of weight that you take off of your shoulders and the amount of space that you free up to enter all that love. I mean, the, what a prime example you just shared with us about having that family and having all of that because you were able to forgive. But that's something, Gianna, the the second part to that is like, okay, yes, it is so much lighter to if someone's giving you hate, if someone's sending you negativity, bad energy, you know, they're they are a constant dark cloud in your life, for example. It is so easy to say, well, poor me. Like, what about me? Like, mm-hmm. I, like I'm like i holding this resentment against you because I, like, I'm standing on this hill. Like, I'm going to die on this hill. So how do you, in manifesting, flip that switch? Because it, like, you know, it's not easy. Like, I'm, I'm Irish. Like, we're, we're grudgy people. <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes down to understanding your own peace and, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, being, being, a being that wants to feel peace and not hold on to grudges and not hold on to, you know, I think there's a quote from the Buddha. It's like when we're angry, it's like holding on to a hot coal and we're only, we're getting, we're getting, no gas. one, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no one knows what you're doing. Yes. Like, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. So it's just a matter of being aware enough. Like I always say with manifestation and doing the inner work, like you have to really fucking care about yourself. Not in a in a selfish, egotistical way, but like your yourself, your yeah. soul. Your but how peace. do you how do you convince yourself? Because I struggle with this. Oh, I'm being a doormat. Like I'm just letting people walk all over me if I don't feel this anger. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's intricacies to every situation. You know, every situation is deep and and all of that. But it's like, yeah, if you. I wonder if there's another way to find resolve instead of having anger be the thing that's like protecting you from being the doormat because yeah. the things that we hold on to are our protectors and they're there for a reason and they're valid because they're keeping us safe to some degree. And at the same time, there's other ways that we can get that protection within ourselves um, without having to be so angry or shameful or resentful or you name it. I, I mean, anger is such a downfall for some people. I think. I think it really ro- they rob themselves of their own 
happiness. I, I try to tell everybody it's just like not worth life is too short to stay angry at somebody. A lot of times the anger, and I teach this to my students too, it's like the it's like the lid to the pot. And when you take the anger away, what's underneath? And it's usually like a deep sadness. Mm-hmm. And so then it's about addressing the sadness and releasing the sadness. So there's just so many layers to it. Yeah. So that is the story of your parents and your mom and your dad. And now I want to hear the story of you becoming a parent because it was not black and white. It was not point A, point B, but you handled all of it with such grace and positivity. As you see, you're like, you handle everything else with your, with your life like that. Like, first of all, I just like. I don't think I said it in the beginning, but I know Ashley personally, and I'm just absolutely obsessed with the human being and the soul that you are. And mm-hmm. I think like, that's why I felt it was great to have you on to talk about this, especially for such a deep type of topic like IVF and how you handled it may not be how everybody is able to it because it, it is, it is dark, but I'm sure you've shared with me, like you had really dark moments in it too. And that's how it it can really take women down. But I think you have a beautiful, positive result at the end of it, baby Maverick. So sorry, just to interrupt, you had your business before you had Maverick, correct? Yes. Okay. So you were in this space of positivity and manifesting and success and like every box was checked. Yeah. I mean- Along, Of course, there's ups and downs, right? Everyone has ups and downs along the way. But yes, I was. And I don't think manifestation is all about positivity too. I think that there's a lot of like, you know, there's it's, – it's, it is about dealing with what's going on inside of you. And I think that IVF was like one of the things that was going on inside of me, like this deep unworthiness that I didn't even know was there. So it's like a big part of the journey because it – a lot, this whole thing of like, what's, you know, when you can't get pregnant, I've asked myself, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? What, what have I done wrong in my life to deserve this? You know, there's so many questions that have, that have come up along the way that have taken me down like such a healing path to manifesting the, this like amazing result. And, um, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't always easy. So I was never really ready because I – Todd is nine years older than me too. So there's there's that. And I was never feeling like super, super ready when, you know, when like we maybe should have been super ready. Like at the beginning of our marriage, we were married – we've been married for eight years and we've been trying for three of those years to get pregnant. So five years of being married, I still wasn't ready to have a baby. How old were and you? I was 27 when I got married and I had a baby at 34. And you started trying at 31. 30, 31. 31-ish. Okay. Yeah. But I was like building my business and I was doing all these things and I was just like, I'm just not ready. Like I just can't – I can't birth a baby right now. I'm birthing so many other things. So I was just putting it off and we – you know, we had been trying, not tr- not trying but trying nothing was happening. And my sister was the one who was like, you should just go get checked. And I went and got checked. Everything was normal, unexplained. So unexplained infertility is what my diagnosis Diagnosis. was, if you could call it that. So (laughs) we had done IUIs, Mm -hmm. right? Like inseminations and nothing was working. They were unmedicated. And then I switched clinics because my doctor that I had originally went to wanted to put me on Adderall. Have you guys ever heard this? No. No. He wanted to put me on Adderall. He's like, Adderall helps women get pregnant. 
what? I'm like, I'm taking Adderall over it. Because, I... <laughs> because you, you're focusing. <laughs> like, you're like, today's the day. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Like, wait, where does this come from? Wait, wait, is this, so, this is for real? He's kind of like a med scientist guy, this doctor. And he's old school, but also like, yeah, he thinks that it helps. 90%, I found out 90% of his patients were on Adderall. What? Okay. But what does it do? I couldn't explain it to you at all. Like I could not explain it to you. So you ended and up I, going I on? said the same thing. No. Okay. I didn't. Okay. I was like – my intuition was like, hell no. I need a new clinic. So I switched doctors. I, you know, always follow your intuition on any anything you do – anything medically, anything in life, but especially fertility, you have to follow what your gut is telling you um, and that's going to create your plan. So I went to a different clinic and we did three more inseminations and with medicine, with Clomid. Anyone that's ever been on Clomid can relate to this most likely. I had suicidal thoughts on Clomid. Did you? It was awful. Like I couldn't get a hold of myself. I couldn't get a hold of my reality. It was it was really crazy. You know and what? I'm going to stop you there. If you say, oh, if anyone – you know any – I'm sure – so many women keep that in the darkness because of so many stereotypes or whatever. Yeah. And then they're like, you know what? I have a baby. I can't go. I can't even talk about that. Like, I just need to be grateful. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure they like, oh, yeah, they, they just pile it. on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I remember like pulling over on the side of the road and just losing my mind and having that thought. And I was just like, this isn't me. Like there was another voice that was like, this isn't you. This is the medicine. And I called my doctor and I was like, I need to get off of this. It's, you're only on it for five days. <gasps> Yeah. Did you tell Todd? Did Todd know? Oh, yeah. <gasps> yeah. He's like, you're okay. This is the medicine. You are safe. You know, we're just talking me back and it worked. Oh and gosh. I mean, I was, I didn't attempt it. I, it just was, you know, just was there in my in my mind. And that, it was very, very, very startling. So they switched the meds to a different one called Letrozole and I didn't have any of the those oh, same wow. experiences. Okay. I'm like, this medicine should be banned. This is dangerous. What does it do? What is the purpose of it? It helps you produce more follicles, okay. so more eggs. Okay. So, you know, there was a time at those three IUIs where they were like, you have four follicles, you could have triplets. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, at this point, it, I mean, it had been like a year of this at this point probably of going around and trying and doing IUIs, pausing, trying naturally, doing other things. So I'm like, triplets? All right. I didn't know anything. Right. Now I'm like looking back, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> that <laughs> But it didn't work. So it was devastating after having like my hopes up of like, oh my God, there could be triplets or twins or um, it didn't work. And the doctors came to me and this was in February, I think of 2020. And they said, you know, it's basically, you could, it's time for IVF. And I did not think I was going to need IVF. I did not. I said to my friends, I'm like, I have three more rounds of medicated IUIs and just pray to God that I don't need IVF. I was so against it. And I had started sharing about my fertility journey a little bit online and on my Instagram. And someone sent me a book and it was called um, Hold On Baby. And it was about her IVF journey. And I got that book in the mail and I looked at it and I put it at the highest point in my closet. And I said, I'm not going to read that because I don't need that. Just quickly, if someone doesn't know, they might say, they might be like, what what is the difference between IUI and IVF? Just if there's a simple. Yeah. So IUI is uh, 
it's a, it's a utero insemination where it's like a turkey baster, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. taking the sperm and they're inserting helping it. Helping it, into yeah. Your, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're helping it along into your cervix so that it can hopefully swim up and And that is still like you're being charted and you're doing blood work and like you have to come in like yes. now, today. Yeah, 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 for sure. And there's there was all of that. I was someone who hated blood work. Like I, I hate blood work. I hate terrified. Blood work. <laughs> terrified. Now I'm just like whatever. Like I'm good. I just it's you you go through it so much in fertility. You have to get over it. Yeah. Um. And so, so IVF is they help you grow your follicles like with that medicine or with shots in your stomach. Usually with the shots in your stomach, and they they retrieve those mm-hmm. eggs out of your uterus. So it's called an egg retrieval. And then they take the sperm and they fertilize the eggs and they wait a week to see which eggs fertilize. And if you have any blastocysts, which, which are the beginning stages of an embryo, and then you take the blastocysts, whatever you have, and they send it off for genetic testing. And if they're viable, they'll tell you if they're chromosomally, mm-hmm. chromosomally, that's a hard word. Um, <laughs> If they're viable, then you can move forward into a transfer cycle. So that's kind of like the short of it. And it's even more waiting and more hoops oh to God. jump through and the check waiting. Yeah. yeah. Tell, oh, tell yeah. me about that. Yeah. How did you manage the, I'm sure, the absolute circus of thoughts going on in your head at all times during that? Uh, it was so up and down all the time. Luckily, my husband – thank you, Bob. My husband yeah. is, like, such a strong partner where he is just, like, always positive and always, like, it's going to happen. And I had moments where I would just cry and be, like, screaming, why me? Why me? Like, I don't understand. I should have started earlier. Like, I should have done this. I should have done that. Or what's wrong with me? I have just went on such a journey of all the thoughts. And, like, instead of trying to stop the thoughts, I – tried to welcome them in oh yeah no matter what they were mm. because I couldn't fight them like they were there <laughs> mm-hmm. you know the other thing so that's they're... hard is going back to like the triplets you mourn that loss because like yeah then you punish yourself for allowing the hope of like yeah. oh my god triplets like how cute is my Christmas card you can't help it because you're yeah. so eager for that and then you mourn that loss of that future Every it's time so, you hear that. Every time. Yeah. yeah. Every time. I mean, every negative pregnancy test, yes. I feel like I mourned a loss. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Case and I talk about that a lot, about how women were so emotionally charged, right? And that even like you try one month and you're like, you <clears throat> automatically we're sitting here doing the math in our head. Well, if it works, then it's born this day. Yes. And then this is what this is going to be like. You might as well already have the baby, like the second after you have sex, like that is, or the second after the IUI or the IVF, like you've already planned out that whole life. And that, that is just loss after loss after loss. It's so true. So so how many rounds are, so you, okay. So we're going back. You had three more rounds of IUI. That's where your head was at. Three more rounds of IUI. And what's interesting is I once had a birthday IUI. So to connect the stories to my dad and this like final IUI that I had before we switched gears. Um, It was on my birthday, December 28th. And I remember getting a call from my – I was like, this has got to be good luck. Meanwhile, my dad was taken to the hospital and he was put on a ventilator. Honestly, I just didn't – I never thought he was going to die. Like I had no 
I did not know he was going to die. Like I had no I, – I don't know why. I, I don't know if well, I was that in was, or – That was still like the crazy COVID where we yeah. knew nothing and it was – you couldn't see anyone and you were whisked away to a hospital and like it, that was peak yeah, exactly. scary. Yeah, exactly. And my my mom, my stepmom, Beverly, she's amazing. The best. Um, she called me on my birthday and she was just like, you know, I just want you to know like things are not good. Oh. And I was just like, what do you mean? Like, I, I really was so shocked. And I, cause I, I just, had you told just her, like, seen just him or something? Um, I hadn't just seen him, but I, I just thought, like, I, I don't know. I just didn't think that he, it was time. Like, I just was surprised. And, um, she told me, like, she had a, a talk with him because I said, you know, I just had an IUI. And she's like, I had a talk with him. And even though he was on a ventilator, she was just talking to him and he wasn't responding or responsive or awake. Um, but she's like, I told him, like, that you had, you know, this this IUI and um, that he can't die on your birthday. And I was just like, oh, my God. So I think the, he died literally – he waited till the end of my birthday and he died at 1.42 in the morning. Wow. No way. Yeah. He loves you so much. I feel like it's such an honor. Like I, I, I actually feel like it's like a very f- full circle like thing. This is like a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Stay a while. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so like I did – I was – I felt like that IUI could have – it could have gone one of two ways. I was like, oh my gosh, like he's with me and he's going to help me get yes. pregnant. And like, this is going to be so amazing. Like, this has got to be it. Yeah. You know, this is it. This is it. And it, it wasn't it. And there was so much grief there that I just felt like it was my a one two punch like, at that oh. point. Yeah. 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 Totally. So, yeah, it just didn't happen. And I needed a break. I think that's another thing people don't talk about is like the breaks that they have to take when they're in fertility treatment. And how much pressure did you put on yourself for that? Like I'm wasting more time, you know, and like you have to, but it's, that's another layer yeah. of disappointment and definitely because you're always calculating time in your mind yes. and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about my husband's age and I'm thinking about how old he's going to be and when my kid's 10 yeah. or like, yes. you know, just, yeah. just all those thoughts are so, so real. And, um, yet for my mental health, I needed to like really pause and we were, in Florida and we had this like consult with the doctor and I and and Todd was like I think we should just keep going we should just keep going we should do IVF like let's just go into it this is what the doctor's saying I was like I'm just not ready and from that point you might be surprised to hear this I went on like a whole spiritual journey where I was like okay I I ended up doing um two mushroom ceremonies to figure out why I had infertility is that like ayahuasca or is that different it's different. It's like it's ayahuasca like light. Psilocybin. Yeah. Like you're not puking for days. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And then I ended up doing ayahuasca. How was that? <laughs> okay. So that scares me. And I've seen – my husband watches the Pat McAfee show and they always have Aaron Rodgers on. And he's done like yeah. the darkness retreats, the ayahuasca. Like were you scared of like what you oh were going to like – I was freaking terrified. Woo. Terrified. So what did you find out? I found out I, – she showed me my family. Like, she was like, this is going to happen for you. Wow. And when I say she, ayahuasca is like the grandmother medicine. It's a, it's, a, it's a grandmother spirit. And so when you are taking ayahuasca, it's 
it's taking a medicine that is like speaking to you. So like during the process, she is speaking to you, showing you things. Taking but you don't you also see like what you need to let go of? Like, don't you also like see yourself yeah. very clearly? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what did you see that you were doing that was detrimental to your growth or your Yeah, health? thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> so much opened up on that. So the first thing that I – when I was going into it, I was like, oh, shit, this shit's strong. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm doing like, this. Like right away it kicks in? Um, it takes half an hour. Oh, so when so it fast. started to like seek in, seep in, I was I was just – I was freaking out. And um, I had to start to like let go. And I started panicking. And I went to one of the helpers and I was just like, am I okay? Like I'm freaking out right now. And she's like, you need to surrender. You need yeah, you're to surrender. fighting it. You need to yeah. surrender. Yeah, I'm fighting it. She's like, go sit down at your spot. She like brought the stage over to me. Oh my God, you're like a kindergartner. I was say, she was like a toddler. <laughs> she was like, go sit down at your place in the circle. She's like, Ashley, where's yeah. your mat? Uh-huh. Go sit. I'll bring you some juice. <laughs> it's literally like that. It was. It was like that. And um, she helped me just like kind of drop in. And uh, the first image that I saw was just like these shoelaces and zippers just being tightened so tight, 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 tight. And she's like, this is your energy system. It is so tight. You, you don't have any flow happening. And then it started like showing me this like very masculine energy. And she's she was teaching me like how to loosen it and how to balance the feminine and the masculine energies in me. Because I was, it was like, when she was showing me the shoelaces and like the zippers, it was very like like that. Like it was just – that was like the visual and I was in it and it was big in my mind. And the the message that was coming through was just like you're trying to control everything and you need to stop. <laughs> Casey's raising her hand. <laughs> yeah. Head over to YouTube yeah. for all of the <laughs> visuals. So that was immediate. Like that – and. I'm so interested. It was interested the first in this. thing I saw. Like, do you have to remind yourself of this, or like, once you ayahuasca, like, are you fixed, or no? Is it like a constant journey? I think it's a constant journey. I think there's a big integration process where, like, you you get a lot of information, and then you have. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with that information? Because yeah. it's not like you're healed. I don't. Mm-hmm. You, there's definitely a cellular healing that happens where you have this deeper level of understanding of yourself and. Oh, deep love, deep, deeper awareness of yourself and healing because the spirit's very healing and there's work to be done in your life. How are you going to integrate that into your life? And during that ceremony, I started dancing. I started moving my body in ways that I have never moved my body before. I was just, I don't, and I was trying not to judge myself because you're still aware of yourself, you know? So I was just like, all right, just move. And I was just moving and I was letting the, the energy flow. And I was feeling it from my like core, like my hips, my sacral chakra, like this, this, your sexual energy center. It was a big release. And I was like, oh my God, this is like feminine. This is like, this is where babies are born from. Yeah. Like this energy, this, oh my God, the feminine is so magnetic and, and it's so like. I have chills so right now. Desirable oh and my just God. so like. It was so intense and I was like, oh my God. So I have continued to work with that feminine energy that was flowing through me. Like when I, when I get into it, I do this like weird arm thing where I'm, I'm just like, it's like a goddess. Like I can just see you like in the pickup line and Todd's like, she's, she's fine. She's, 
She's actually fine. <laughs> like, like when Maverick's older and he walks in. Dude, I was just thinking like that. No. My dancing things. Dude, your kid's name is Maverick and his mom does ayahuasca. Like you are Stacy's mom. <laughs> like there will be tales. There will be songs sung That's of you. That's so funny. That's so funny. But okay, so she showed you your family. Yeah, she showed me my family walking on the beach. There was four of us. There was a girl and a boy. But let me just, let me disclaim this as like, I use these uh, medicines in a very like ceremonial setting. I'm not like, let's take mushrooms and go out. Yeah. You know? It's very like, <laughs> it's super intentional. Right. I'm. It's with prayer and yeah, but it's very intentional and, and it's too deep and it's to grow and it's to heal. So that's always my intention when I am doing any kind of plant medicine. So uh, the break was from January until it ended up being until August. Oh, so wow. my plan was okay. – it was a long time. Yeah. I did ayahuasca in April. But during that time, like how many friends got pregnant and how many – like you probably – like it was probably oh in God. your face every day. So many. I had like a major breakdown, which I didn't see coming at like my friend's kid's first birthday party and all of all of my community and their, their kids are there. And I'm just like, this is really intense. And I left just sobbing, sobbing, not out of any jealousy, no. like not out of anything. I'm not like that. I'm just, it would just hit me in a way that I just didn't expect. I really didn't. Aside from that breakdown, did you feel that you were able to release some of the pressure after seeing that family of four? I'm being like, okay, it's going to happen. I just don't know when. I definitely had more faith in it. I definitely had more faith in it happening because when you're going through this and you are trying month after month. And after that, I had a breakthrough of like, well, Before I did ayahuasca, I did a mushroom ceremony. And in that ceremony, I had this profound knowing that came at the end that was like, you're going to get pregnant naturally. You don't need IVF. So I had this like intense knowing that I was going to get pregnant naturally. Hmm. And I said to Todd, I'm going to give it till the end of the summer. And if it doesn't happen, then we can move forward. Hmm. Okay. And it didn't happen. Hmm. So I was just like, I I was confused. I was like, you know, I felt it so so yeah. strongly, and then and then ayahuasca showed it to me, and then what what ended up unfolding for me was understanding that it it doesn't actually matter how it happens, because yeah. I had such a like almost like perfectionism, like it has to happen naturally because I will be like a failure if yeah. it doesn't, and I thought that IVF meant failure. Mm. No, for me. Ugh. that's what I really truly thought. So when I Made the decision to do it. I grabbed the book at the top of my closet. And, and what's it called? It. It's called Hold On Baby. Okay. I grabbed it and I sobbed because I was like, oh my God, she's talking to me. Like it felt so validating and everything she was saying was just landing so intensely into my heart. And I was just like, okay, this is, this is good. This, is, this book is meant, was meant for me to read and I'm going to do this. So I ended up doing it. Um, I went through a whole round of IVF. I went through a whole round of egg, ret- egg retrieval, fertilization, waiting to see if any how of many the did you get, and then how many were yeah. viable? Yeah, so I I had a, like a good amount of eggs, like twelve, which wow. I heard was yeah. a good. And so out of that round, and I think something that nobody that think that women don't talk about is like at that clinic, I was treated so poorly. I was treated like a number. Ugh. They didn't care about me. Was like um, a factory. I was a factory, yeah. and I hated it there. Like I was just, I felt so the way they handled everything. I just didn't like it at all. And um, I got the twelve eggs. They fertilized on day three. You have to wait six days. On day three, they were like, 
you know, you still have, I think, 11 in the game. And I was like, that's amazing. I was so excited. And then by day six, they were like, yeah, you have one. And I was like, one. Well, that's like, you're like, the math isn't mathing. Yeah. Yeah. The math wasn't mathing. Yeah. And I was so upset. And they were like, it's not, and they grade them too. And if it's not like a super high quality or highly graded one. So it wasn't, it was like fair quality is what they were calling it. And they were like, do you want to genetically test it? And I was like, absolutely. Like, yes. So you have to wait 10 days to see if this embryo is viable. I'm like, okay. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. I just had this gut feeling like it wasn't. I just I just kind of knew like it wasn't. And so I remember getting the call from the doctor. I was like looking at hardwood floors and I was the only person in this like showroom. I was the only person there. They have a code to get in. And I took the call and I sat in this corner chair that they had. And he was just like, I'm so sorry. Like it's not a viable embryo. And I was just fucking shattered. <laughs> I was just like, what? In that process? <laughs> Even though I knew it. Are you yeah. still – like, do you have to see that round through before you can start another round? Or can you be like retrieving eggs in the interim? Or no, do you have to wait until afterwards to start the retrieval process again? That's a good question. Like, is there an overlap? They want you to wait. Yeah. They suggest that you wait. Because I was like, I had the same thought. Like, I would be in there. I'd be cycle. like, let's go. Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. you have to take shots for 10 days. Mm-hmm. You have to build. It's like your cycle. It's, it yeah. actually goes with your menstrual cycle. Right. So you, there's like a whole, a whole waiting process. So when I got that call, I was just like, I didn't know what to do. I, I knew that if – I was like, I have to do another round. It never occurred to me that I would have to go through that again. No, Like it never crossed my mind that I – I heard IVF works. If you do it, it's going to work. Oh, and yeah. I just – I never thought I would have to go through another egg retrieval. I was like, I'm going to get the embryo and then I'm going to move on to the transfer. What I thought would be the problem was when the embryos were transferred, hoping that it would stick. Right. Yeah. That's what I was most afraid of yeah. all, the whole time. I'm like, well, I hope my body can do it because, you know, I haven't gotten pregnant and I hope that I can hold. That was the thing. So then what happened next? So I I knew that if I, I had to do it again, I wasn't going to go through that clinic. And I, yet I had no idea. I felt very helpless. Like I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to go after. I was like, should I go back to my old clinic and go on Adderall? <laughs> <laughs> nope, not an option. <laughs> um, so I was talking to my friend who lived in California and she worked – she had gone through IVF. It worked on the first try for her and she was kind of coaching me through it and she was like, listen, it is so common – to have to do two rounds of egg retrievals. I was like, well, why didn't anybody tell me that? Um, And so she said also that she had such a good experience at her clinic, which is called Spring Fertility. She quit her job in marketing. She was working for this other company, not a doctor, and she ended up working for Spring Fertility. And she's like, we just opened up an office in New York City. I live two and a half hours from New York City. She's like, I would do anything for you to go there. I'm like, I can't go there. You when you're in when yeah. you're doing this, you're the doctor every day. Yeah. Yeah. You're at the doctor getting blood work, internal ultrasounds every day or every day. You're like other that's day. five hours in the car every day. Right. And so my husband and I were up shopping at Woodbury Commons, which is in New York, and it was his birthday, November seventh. And she my friend called me and she's like, You're not gonna believe this. I'm like, What? She's like this clinic is doing this promotion where it's taking five women who had previously failed IVF cycles elsewhere and seeing if they could do it better. Looking at your chart, seeing if they could do it better. 
they're picking five women to give free cycles to. Whoa. And meanwhile, we had just lost like $15,000 because we paid cash, right? I didn't want to have insurance. A lot of insurance does not cover IVF. It's just starting. Like I feel like companies are just now starting to like – but it's there's no like we got you. you, Totally. And if you work for yourself, forget it. Like you're – you know, we pay for our own insurance. So I was like, okay. She's like, can you be in New York tomorrow? Meanwhile, I was already in New York. I was like, yeah, sure. We could be there tomorrow. It was just like very aligned and the universe was coming through. And so we went to see this doctor the next day. His name is Dr. Klatsky. And he looked at all – I got my records and I sent – and he looked at everything and he sat with us for like two hours and he like went over everything. Wow. And regardless, I was like, I want to go. I want to come You here. also just probably felt so validated and seen yeah. and like a human being. That was the biggest thing. That was like the biggest thing. I was like, wow, nobody's sat with us like this and actually talked. Because I said to him up front, I was like, I'm looking for a doctor that actually cares. I'm looking for a doctor that's going to look at my chart and say, I have a different game plan. I I know what I want to do. It's going to be different than what we did before. Because I had a consultation with my other clinic for the second round to see what would they do differently. And they didn't really have an answer. They wanted to up my medication. When I went to Dr. Klatsky, he's like, I'm going to take your medication down because more medication doesn't necessarily mean more eggs or healthier eggs. Mm -hmm. No, but it costs more. Yeah. Right. It does cost more. That's a great point. So after leaving his office, which I kind of call like, it's like the Ferrari of fertility. It's like such a sick office. You don't even feel like you're in a doctor's office. You feel like you're in a spa. They really treat you like a human. And I feel like it really goes so far. It speaks volumes. Even down to like the coffee table books they had were just like relevant. And what was the, what was it called again, the clinic? Spring Fertility. Spring Fertility. Highly recommend. So I left there thinking, you know, he's like, you know, we're going over all these applications of people that have sent this in and, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you basically. And I left there thinking, we're probably not going to get this, you know, whatever. Even though I wanted to be positive, but I just wasn't in a positive state about it. I was just like neutral, like whatever happens, happens. We're on the drive home. My friend calls me and she's, she's like, so how was it? I was like, it was amazing. And I told her the whole thing. And she's like, well, guess what? You got it. Ah. You you got she's the free like IVF your cycle. angel like oh my god Literally, you i sent her like a 500 dollars bouquet of flowers it was like it was like this you're like of what's her the whole biggest bouquet table. you have and you're like that's, double it like <laughs> what I did. That's literally what I did. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I owe you my child. So I went through the process again at spring. And I mean, long story short, I'll go into any details you want, but he, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Tell us how that process went. And then if there's something specifically that you can say that was the difference that they applied to your treatment that may have been the cause. And maybe how was your like level of comfort yeah. And just being like yeah. a little How bit of a happier person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of it. There, so change happened on all of those levels. One with being – he took my medication down and he – something that I want to say to all women who are in this position and or will be, the lab matters, right? I never knew that. The IVF lab matters where they keep your embryo, like where, where they where, where they fertilize Like the conditions in which the embryo is, is, is held subjected, and stored. Yeah. Yeah, like they did not open and look at the embryo until five days. The other clinic opened it like every two days to check on it. And anytime it's like exposed to air or anything, it it, it impacts 
the quality. Dude, that happens when you bake like a cake. Like you think that, uh, like, <laughs> come on. That's so that's such a like great it, way you to can't put open it. the oven. Like, that's come on. That's a great way to put it. And everything at this place was like top of the line. I mean, it's 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 wild. I just didn't know how big of a, a difference the lab did. And they did this thing that I won't be able to explain, but it it's like this calcium thing. It like it adds calcium. To it's for the, you or the embryo. It's for the embryo. It like coats it with calcium to help it fertilize and help it expand. Or like strengthen or something. Multiply. Yeah. Yeah. So there was just those elements. And then the way I was treated was just like night and day. It was like you you really can't compare it because it was completely different yeah. um, in the best way. And um, I ended up like moving up to New York for like a month. I was going to so say, was how did you figure <sighs> handle that logistically? Well, here's the other yeah. thing is the financial stress. I mean, like how much of that yeah, being yeah. off your shoulders was oh like – Oh, my God. I mean, what I got was like a $30,000 yeah. present. But more than that, I – got my son right right which is crazy so you so okay he came from that first round well Well, second second round round, but first round round with that clinic yeah so he so the doctor said to me he's very confident guy very like almost like cocky but I kind of liked it because I'm like I want your confidence in this yeah and he was just like you know even our vanilla will be better than what you had like they're like you know and I was like okay so I had like I think 16 eggs that were retrieved I had 20-something eggs that were retrieved, but 16 that were like fully grown. And the other part about that was, okay, this is important about the strategy of the eggs. Like most doctors will, will track, will, you know, monitor you and they'll see that you have some eggs that are like leading the pack that are bigger and others need to catch up. And a lot of doctors will pull the trigger and do the egg retrieval and get those bigger eggs that are leading the way. And his strategy was, I don't care about those bigger eggs because there's way more eggs behind them that need to, time to mature. So he kind of like let those eggs go. Yeah. And he waited until For all the bigger those other- haul. Yeah. And I think that made a huge difference too. So I just remembered that. So we did the egg retrieval, 16 eggs. And who knows if like those big eggs that were leading the pack like Would have had left yeah. – or, or that they had leftover from the medicine from the prior round. Like you don't know if, like you said, like if they were tainted right. or, or whatever. That's so true. That's so true. And the, and the, they, I did everything pretty close together. So like, you know, October mm-hmm. I found out it wasn't viable. Middle of middle to end of no- November we were back at it. So um, when they were fertilized, they called me on day six. The waiting with this one was so much harder. So much harder. And I was doing acupuncture. I was doing everything I could. I was celery juicing. I was drinking Mm -hmm. my celery every single morning. I did a cleanse. I was doing so many things to just like promote health and just make this happen. And um, he called me and he said, we have seven embryos that we're sending for testing. Wow. Seven. Because last time you had one. One. This is also creeping. I'm I'm thinking in the back of my mind. This is creeping closer to your dad's anniversary and your birthday. So keep going. Oh yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah, good vibes there. Um. So so he sent the seven, and then he called me ten days later. So much waiting, and he said, "I got the the update." He said, "Are you ready?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, you have two viable embryos," and I was so happy. Of course, like so 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 happy. Um, he said there was one that was undisclo- like undetermined. Like they took the cells off of it, but they couldn't tell if it was viable or not. And the rest were not healthy. So it was, just, it was very interesting because I'm like, wow, I have so many 
embryos, but like so many that weren't healthy. So I was like looking into that and curious about that. Called the genetic company. What did you find? More about it. It's really they nothing. I really didn't find anything. I really didn't find anything. Just it was interesting. But yeah, and then I have other friends who have seven and they're all healthy. I'm like, well, how come you didn't get pregnant? It's weird, Mm -hmm. you know, on your own. Yeah, yeah. Because I could see having so many not healthy ones. You know why maybe that it was taking so long because mm-hmm. it just wasn't it wasn't making a healthy embryo you know right and so I said to, he's like do you want to know the sex and I was like honestly I just want to know are they the same sex or are they opposite and he said they were opposite and I lost my oh. mind I was like oh my god <laughs> and so then of course I was losing sleep over what do I do do I transfer the boy do I transfer the girl like how do I do this did you ever so think can, about doing both they don't do that Okay. For some reason. I don't remember why. He's like, you're not at the age where we would do that. It just wasn't – it wasn't a thing. And it's too risky where like, God forbid, it didn't work out. Then I had no embryos yeah. left. Right, right, right. So I consulted a psychic about the embryos. The boy had like – Maverick's embryo was um, graded higher. And so they always recommend like going with the highest graded mm-hmm. embryo. So that was, you know, that was present. And I selfishly was like, I kind of want a girl really wanted a girl. I wanted to have a baby. It didn't matter. But I consulted a psychic and I didn't really tell her much about anything. And she's like – Isn't that funny? You always go into psychics and you want to trick them. You're like, how good uh-huh. are you? I know. I I'm know, not going right? to tell you like, anything. Your- yeah. Totally. <laughs> I mean, I did tell her that I had two embryos. That's all I said. And she said, I see them both. And there's this boy that is like, um, I'm ready. Pick yeah. me. Pick <laughs> me. And he was just like, ah, like me, 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 me. And I was like, crying of course and I'm like okay well he is the stronger one he's coming through it just makes sense it just and my dad so it was just like it was all of that yeah so we transferred the embryo and immediately afterwards I was just like petrified how do you know it's in there yeah yeah Yeah. how do you know it's in there literally we videotaped it like we saw it it go up does it hurt it's, it's the easiest process does the retrieval process hurt no oh it doesn't it does. I didn't think. Well, you're it did. medicated I mean, for I, you're, the retrieval. You're asleep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They put you under, which I had never been under before, so that was interesting. And there's a couple other things that happened before we transferred him. I had like this thing called a, a septum in my uterus, where I had like a wall in my uterus that they had to kind of like surgically remove in order for there to be blood flow in that spot in my in my uterus. Did you so, just develop that or did you have it forever? They had always seen it on all the tests that I did, but he, this doctor is like very cautious. That's what I'm and, saying. Like even like the previous doctor, you're like, shouldn't that have been like, an, a, like yeah. an addressed thing? Maybe it would have if I would have gone further in the process, yeah. but I wasn't going through the transfer process. So this was like before the transfer, they do this yeah. test where they, they make sure you don't have any polyps and – Things of that nature. That test really hurts. They like put saline into your uterus and like blow it up with the saline. It's like so painful. But he was like, I think we should do this. I had to pay out of pocket for that, which I think it was like $4,000. But I was just like, you know what? It's so worth it. Yeah, we made it this far. You literally have this. You need to make sure the environment is perfect. Yeah. And this is how great he was. He called me and we really went back and forth on it. And he was like, if you were my wife, I would want you to do this. And I was like, that's – I love when doctors say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so comforting. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Tell us about the moment you took the test. Oh, well, I I kind of knew before. Like I was testing. So I was like, 
They're doing it, like really watching excited. it, like get a little bit darker. I was darker, watching. Darker. I just, I just couldn't. Yeah. Some people are like, I'm not gonna test, but I felt cramping and I felt I had symptoms. And every day I was like writing my symptoms down. I was so hungry. I mean, I could have been like making them up, but I don't think I was. And so when we officially took the test together, Todd and I, we waited. You know, they make you wait 14 days before the blood test. Talk about waiting. This office makes you Sarah wait. Walsh, who we had on, was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't know that there was – that they sold tests at Walgreens. Like, she, yeah. you know, she was, like, <laughs> making fun of She's like, you're allowed to test yourself before that window. Yeah. And so Todd and I took it together after I had already been testing a little bit. But I didn't really tell him. I just kind of kept it myself. <laughs> and so I already, like, kind of knew. But when we took it – and we saw those lines and we – well, it, it said pregnant actually. Yeah, yeah. It said pregnant. You're like, I want no um, guesswork. Like, yeah, I just I want, want no – I just need to know. We were both hysterical. It was just the happiest moment of our lives. It was like everything that we had worked for was just like coming to fruition. It was manifesting yeah. and it was just like, wow. Because this in total was almost two years that you had been trying. Yeah. After the three years that you tried naturally, yeah. right? No, no. So I had tried naturally for a year. Okay. So the whole okay. thing was okay. the whole thing was three years. Okay. Did Todd ever hit you with I told you so? Oh yeah. Always. <laughs> he still says it. I told you. I told you it was gonna happen, babe. I told you. I always knew it. So it I just it blew my mind. And then, you know, you go through the blood tests and it has to double your, you know, your level, your HCG mm-hmm. levels have to double. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you take so when you do a transfer, they they inject you with a trigger shot called HCG. So that was the last shot that I took before they transferred the embryo, and I recorded it. I like recorded every part of my journey. I still need to like make something with all of it, but I recorded. But it, it a I lot of it's the- if you go back in your social media, and we'll link your social media, your uh, Instagram handle, and in the show notes, so people that are interested can go and see it because you had a lot of uh, creative stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I put on the song, shot, 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 shot. <laughs> and I, I took that last trigger shot and I was just like, okay, but the, they, you're injecting yourself with HCG. So when you test after they transfer it, it's still going to show up that you're pregnant. Right. Because it's trans, like you have the HCG that, in your yeah. system. How, so. until what week of pregnancy did you have to keep um, injecting yourself? So when I didn't have to take any of those progesterone shots. Okay. That people have to take in their butt, which was kind of like a mind fuck for me because I had the transfer and they were like, okay, that's it. Like now we wait. And I was like, there's no medicine. There's no nothing for me to take. No shots, like no nothing. And they're like, no, your body's going to do its thing. Yeah. And this whole time I'm being You've supported been told by medicine. Your body can't yeah. do its thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it was really interesting to have to like rebuild that trust with my body in a sense. And then- I saw the heartbeat and that was like the happiest moment. Every, every moment of it was like the happiest moment of my life until It he just was keeps born. getting better. Yeah. And then every day, of course, I'm just like – And how old is he now? He's 10 months. I feel like our babies are similar in age. How old's your baby? He is uh, – he just turned a year. It's September 11th. So oh, my God. Just over a year. And Maverick is a little baby model. He's so beautiful. He's so sweet. He's oh, like a boy you. to a T. He's like gets into everything, very active. What's next? Is is Mav getting a sister anytime soon? I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, we're thinking about it. Good. We're thinking about it. Good. All right. Well, yeah, all good energy sure. to you, Ashley Gordon. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mother Up. We have new episodes every Monday. In the meantime, follow us on social by searching at Mother Up Pod. 
Got a topic you want us to cover? A story you want us to share? Give us a shout on our website, www.motheruppod.com. Production support for today's episode provided by Katie Anderson, also a mom, of HomeAway Studios. I'm Gianna Demedio-Simon. And I'm Casey McDonald-Hosmer. Have a great week, and remember, whenever you're feeling down, mother up. <laughs>